This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Thank you, thank you. Hmm, Jesus. Isn't he so good? Come on. Why, why are we here this morning? Isn't he good? Come on, let's lift up a shout to him really quick. Let's get outside of our comfort zone. Jesus, Jesus, we're here for you, God. We love you, Jesus. Come on, lift up a shout for a second. He loves this, guys. He loves this. Jesus. <laughs> we celebrate your presence, God. We love you. <laughs> Amen. Guys, my name is Kyle. I was told to repeat my name because apparently the kids are doing some sort of scavenger hunt via the live stream. So my name is Kyle. If you're watching and you're in the kids, that's your first clue, I guess. Um, Man, it's so good to be here with you guys today. It's an honor. You could be anywhere else on a Sunday morning, but you chose to come here, and, and I really believe there's something on that. And it's not just church attendance, right? 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 I believe that there's something to gathering together as the body and becoming equipped and exercising the power, the authority, and the faith that Jesus has given us, right? I'm going to ask you to talk back a lot to me today. You guys good with that? You guys good with a lot of Bible? We are going to cover a lot of Bible, okay? I got about 30 minutes to do it, so we're going to jump in. But before we do, I just want to honor this house. I've been here at the harbor since 2013 came down here on a word from the Lord. And at the time I was working for a church and, you know, when you work for a church, you're required to be there every single Sunday and every single function that they have. And, and uh, I just got this word, actually Joe and Heidi sitting over there, we all came down together in 2013 and walked away from, I walked away from the job that I had in order to come here. But it was so clear, the Lord was like, go down to that church called Harbor and introduce yourself to the pastor so I did, just, I was like, Darren, hey man, I don't know why I'm here, but I'm here, <laughs> right? And uh, he was like, cool, cool, and we just started a relationship, and through that, I got plugged into the school of ministry, and I did school of ministry here at Harbor, and I uh, just got exposed to apostolic leadership, and it was powerful, it changed my life. So I'm super thankful, I just wanted to make sure that I honor the leadership team, I love you guys been pivotal, pivotal in my growth personally, in becoming a son. So today, I'm going to jump around a lot. We're going to start in Mark, and we're going to take a walk, if you guys are cool with that. But I've been in the marketplace for a little while. I've, I've gotten into the business space, and I've been in sales, and I'm, currently I'm working for a digital marketing agency, and I'm selling Google ads, right? And my boss Every Monday morning, we have this meeting, and it's kind of like a powwow, hoorah, let's get pumped for the week kind of thing, right? And he always teaches about this one reoccurring theme over and over and over again. I believe this will help you in your life. It certainly helped me, and we're going to talk about it today. But he always says, work with the end in mind. Like, understand where it is that you're wanting to end up at so that you can tactfully navigate how to get there along the way. Don't end up there by accident. Does that make sense? And so 
We do that. We practice that a lot in the sales world. Obviously, at the end goal is to try and establish a relationship and close a deal, right? And so the whole point is to lead people through a conversation, ask them questions, get them talking, but the whole time we're getting to this one end. Why do I tell you that? Because I was speaking with Darren just concerning this weekend and coming up today. And we were like, where do we want to end up at? What is it that we hope that the church gets equipped with at the end of today? We came to four things. And I want to encourage you, if you're taking notes, to just write it down. Hopefully do a lot of writing today. Take a lot of notes. It's going to be good. But the first thing is that we want the church to go from division to unity. Heard some amens on that. We want the believers, you guys, me, you, us, to be unified in mission. Right? We want to make disciples who change the culture. That's a whole message in and of itself. And we want to bring God's kingdom reality to the world. We want to get outside the four walls of the church, right? (laughs) Trust me, we have been forced outside the four walls of the church in the past eight months now. And and, and it's a a test. I believe it's a test. It's it's a a catalyst. What is it that you're bringing to the culture? Especially in this time where a lot of us for a long time and in some places in our country still aren't allowed to go to church. What is it that you're bringing to the culture? That's what I want to talk to you guys today about. And so we're going to start out in Mark. If you're following along in your Bible, I'm going to prompt you a lot today. We're going to start out in Mark chapter 3. Verses 13 through 15, I personally love the Passion Translation. It's what I speak from the most. We'll have the verse on the screen behind me at some point. There it is right there. So let's go ahead and jump into this. You guys good? Come on, you're allowed to talk back to me. You guys good? Come on. Mark three thirteen says, Afterwards, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to himself the men he wanted to be his close companions. So they went up to the mountainside to join him. He appointed the 12 who he named apostles. He wanted them to be continually, say continually, at his side as friends, say friends, so that they could be sent and that they would preach and have authority, say authority, to heal the sick and to cast out demons. Amen. You guys were repeating that the whole time? I heard some amens. Listen. That word authority, we're going to dive deep. You guys good with that? We're going to dive real deep. Cool? So that word authority in the Greek is the word exousia. And contextually, that should be on the screen behind me there. Exactly it is. Contextually, it's a power or an authority which is inherited by continually being at Jesus' side as a friend. You guys with me? Now the definition of exousia, that's the context, right? That's the context of exousia authority. The definition of exousia is it's the power of rule or government. It's the power of him whose will and commands must be submitted to by others and obeyed. Now check this out. These two concepts can't be, the contextual meaning of it, as well as the actual literal definition, you can't separate them. So, 
leading up to chapter 3 here in Mark, the word exousia, it's used a lot, but it's only used in the context of Jesus. And so Jesus is always at whose side? Continually at friendship with who? The Father, right? And so Jesus had that, that standalone exousia because he was connected by way of the Holy Spirit to the Father in friendship. And now it's at this point that he's giving his disciples that same power, that same authority, but only in the context if they will stay at his side as friends. And so because of that, from this point forward, every time we see the word authority or power as it relates to the disciples, right? You have to remember the only reason they're operating in that place of authority is because they are continually at Jesus' side. They're in friendship with him. See, this is the key to everything. This is it right here. Exousia. It's friendship with God. (laughs) Come on. It's that governmental authority that God wants to give away and delegate and place on your life. You believe that? You guys believe that? Come on, I'm going to make you talk this morning. Yeah, come on. I love that. You're going to die. Right? Right? Right. I love that one guy in the back. Yeah, what's up, buddy? They're convinced they're going to die. Now, I want to tell you, scholars believe, they believe that this was no casual storm. These, you got to keep in mind, these men that Jesus, he's hanging out with, they're sailors, they're fishermen. They've done this their whole lives. This is their livelihood. They know how to navigate storms. And these men are scared for their lives. And they wake Jesus up. Jesus, don't you care? We're about to die. you got to do something. And Jesus wakes up, and he's like, boom. And he calms the wind and the waves. And they are astonished, right? They're, they're completely astonished at what Jesus is doing. They can't believe that he's carrying all of this authority, all of this ability. You guys with me? I love him. Come on. You keep talking, man. And in Mark 4.41, it's going to be on the screen behind me, it says this, and this is talking about the disciples. It says, but they were overwhelmed with fear and awe and said to one another, who is this man that has such authority? Say authority. Authority. That even the wind and the waves obey him. And the waves would obey him. And I want to submit this to you. I believe that Jesus was asleep in the boat because he knew what he had given to the disciples. And he had so much faith in that power that comes through by way of relationship, by way of friendship. He has so much faith in that that he remained asleep in the worst of conditions. But you know, the disciples, they just didn't get it. They weren't fully aware yet the thing that they possessed, right? And so we were going to move on, and let's go into, if you're following along, let's go ahead and go to, to uh, Mark 6, verse 7. I want to continue making this point. This is the moment of impartation. It says, Jesus gathered his 12 disciples and imparted to them his authority, that's that word exousia, to cast out demons. 
and he sent them out in pairs with these instructions. Now, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but listen. When he sent them out, and pay attention, this is pivotal right here. This is key. When he sent them out, Jesus was like, guess what? You're going to go out. You're going to heal the sick. You're going to raise the dead. You're going to cast out demons. You're going to cleanse the lepers, all that stuff. It's going to be awesome. But you can only take with you a staff for walking and sandals for walking. And of course, you know, he let them take a tunic. You can't have these dudes running around naked out there, right? Like they get to take the clothes on their back. That's a joke. Yeah, you can laugh. (laughs) And listen, he only let them take the staff and the sandals. Now, I want to ask you a question. Raise your hand. Have you ever heard about your faith being referred to as a walk? Yeah? Right? Everybody's heard that. That's very cliche Christian language. Man, my walk with Jesus, my walk with Jesus, right? I think here's here's a prophetic moment. It's a moment with a metaphor in it. And I think Jesus did it on purpose for us to grab it. He sent them out and told them that they had this power, this authority, this exousia to cast out these demons, to heal the sick. And the only thing they could take was a staff for walking and the sandals on their feet. Why? Because it assisted them in the walk, right? It gave them that ability to remember, hey, we're not here independent of our own ability, of our own selves. It is because of the walk that we have with Jesus. These physical reminders of our walk, that's the only thing that can sustain us, that friendship with God. You guys good? Awesome. It's that exousia. Now, it's really interesting. You get into Mark 6 and... There's, there's these, all these random stories, right? And we're going to stay in Mark 6 for a second, and I'm not going to throw it on the screen. I'm just going to talk to you guys. But you have this account where Jesus gives them this exousia power, and then you have this random account in the middle where John the Baptist actually dies in jail, and then it skips to Jesus feeds the 5,000, right? The disciples come back from, you know, casting out demons and healing the sick, and they're, boom, they're on the scene, and Jesus is ready to feed the 5,000, right? And smack dab in the middle of it is this random, random piece about John the Baptist and about how he dies in prison. It almost seems that it has nothing to do with anything else. And I was asking Jesus, I was praying, I'm like, come on, why is this in here? Why is it structured like this? Why is it this powerful moment of the disciples get this exousia power and all this stuff is happening and then, boom, John the Baptist dies and then, boom, you know, they feed the 5,000, another miracle moment. And I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, it's not unconnected. It's still about exousia. You see, John the Baptist, you guys, raise your hand. You know who John the Baptist is? Yeah, everybody does? Good. John the Baptist had that exousia power on his life. He had that authority on his life to see miracles. And I want to submit to you that he wanders in his relationship with Jesus. You know, they're so close. They have these pivotal moments together where John baptizes Jesus. The Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove and the audible voice of God thunders across the land, right? It's an intimate moment that they share together. But guys, John had his own disciples and Jesus had his own disciples and they began to go in different directions. I think as, as John continued to grow a little further and a little more distant and outside of the place of friendship with Jesus, 
he began to lose that exousia. And you find John preaching, is what the Bible says, preaching to a politician. Come on, this is relevant right now. He's preaching to a politician about behavior modification because the guy is caught up in all kinds of sin. But John was never called to go get, in, get separated from the friendship of Jesus and start preaching to the mountain of politics without the friendship and authority, right? And so John's over here telling this guy how to modify his behavior because he's engaging in immoral behavior. And the guy throws him in jail because he's a politician, And John's sitting there in jail, and he's like, how can this be? How did I end up here? We were seeing the kingdom of God coming to the earth, and now I'm sitting in jail. And he gets his disciples, and he sends word to Jesus, and he's like, I need you to go find Jesus and ask him to confirm that he's still the one that was prophesied of, that he's still the Messiah, that this is still it, or should we be looking for someone else? Because my circumstances are not matching up with what I thought this would look like right now. Right? And they go and they find Jesus and they relay the message and Jesus says this. He says, go tell John the dead are raised, the sick are healed, the lepers are cleansed, demons are being cast out. Why did he say that? Because it's the evidence of the exousia power and authority. Does that make sense? You guys with me? Jesus said, you don't have to believe me. Maybe your circumstances are bad, but look at the evidence. The exousia power of God is coming into the earth still. No matter where you're at, it's still coming into the earth right now. It's still being established. And you could participate if you would be a friend, but you're in jail right now because you got outside of friendship. And then it goes to this account of Jesus feeding the 5,000. So it's, you think it's random, but it's not. It's all connected, and the disciples come back from their journey. You guys good? You're not bored, right? Come on. He said, yeah. (laughs) I love him. That's awesome. The disciples, they come back from their journey of healing people and casting out demons. They're amped. They're stoked, right? They're like, Jesus, look what we did. And Jesus has got all these people with him. The Bible says he's got 5,000 men, not counting women and children. Scholars believe it was upwards of actually 10,000 people or more that were there. Jesus got all these people there, and he's been teaching, and everybody, 5,000 plus people, they're hanging on to every word. They've sacrificed job, food, comfortability, everything to join Jesus out in the wilderness just to hear his words, just that they could get a glimpse of him, right? And the disciples, they come to him, and it's been a whole day. Everybody's exhausted, and and they're like, hey, Jesus, we need to send these people out. We need to send them home so they can go get some food. It's getting dark. We're getting hungry too, right? That's another joke you guys can laugh at. And they reason. They're like, we need to send them home. And Jesus says, he says to them, well, why don't you feed them? And this is where we're going to tune in. It's in... Mark 6, verse 37. And he says, but he answered them and says, you give them something to eat. And they say to him, are you sure? 
You really want us to go and buy them supper? It would cost a small fortune to feed all these thousands of hungry people. And you guys know the story. Jesus doesn't even try to reason with them. He doesn't talk to them about money or say whatever. He simply invited them. He said, you feed them. And it just blew their mind. What do you mean we feed them? We don't have that kind of money. You know what kind of time that would take? Blah, blah, blah. They start using all this rationale, all this logic, all this reason. But Jesus was inviting them to exercise this power, this authority out of the place of friendship and being continually at his side. You feed them. Jesus is saying you have the power to multiply the loaves and the fish, but they don't get it. They can't comprehend it. Come on. What is Jesus trying to get you to do this morning, this week, this year? What is it he's trying to prompt you to do? Because you've got this power and authority resting on your life. He says, you go by them, or you, you, you give them something to eat. Then he moves on. And it happens, you know, everybody's fed, and it says they take up leftovers for everyone. There was an abundance of food. You know, it was the miracle of feeding the 5,000. And it's this exousia moment that they missed. The Bible continues on, and it says after Jesus fed the 5,000, it says that he wanted to go up on the mountainside and be by himself and pray. And so he sent the disciples ahead of him. He actually put them back on the lake that they had come over on. He says, you go ahead. I'll meet up with you guys. I'm going to go up on this mountain and be alone and just pray for a little bit. And it says that the disciples got caught in another storm, another storm that they could not weather, that they did not know how to get through. It was that type of storm again. And the Bible says that Jesus could see them far off struggling. And I, I just have to think that it was prophetically that Jesus was looking at them in the spirit and he could see them. And this is the part where Jesus walks on the water, right? You guys with me? And Jesus is like, I have to go to them. And he goes and he walks on the water to them. And he shows up and we're gonna, we're gonna tune in here. It's actually, in, the account happens in Mark 6, 45 through 52. And we're gonna tune in on verses 51 through 52. Should be behind me on the screen. And it says, then he came closer, he being Jesus, and climbed into the boat with them. And immediately the stormy wind became still. They were completely and utterly overwhelmed with astonishment. Check this out. Don't miss this. Why? Why were they overwhelmed? Because they failed to learn the lesson of the miracle of the loaves, and their hearts were unwilling to learn the lesson. Right? What do you mean? They were unwilling to learn the lesson of the loaves. What does that mean? Listen, the, 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 the Passion Translation breaks it down really well. I, I want to read this to you quickly. You guys get with that? This footnote, it says, it says of it, they didn't understand about the loaves. That is, they didn't understand the lesson that the miracle was meant to teach them, that God has the power to deliver us, no matter what the limitation. Also, check this out, the miracle was that the bread multiplied in their hands, so likewise they had the power to rebuke the stormy wind and sail through to the other side, even if Jesus were to pass them by. He wanted them to see things in a new light and know the authority that they now carried. He wanted them to know the authority.
you skip over into Mark 9. If you're following along, we're going to go to Mark 9, verses 1 through 13, and it's Jesus goes up on the mountain of transfiguration. It's not going to be on the screen. But he goes up on the Mount of Transfiguration and he takes three disciples with him up there and he gets transfigured. But he leaves, and that's an incredible moment, but he leaves the other disciples at the base of the mountain, right? And while they're at the base of the mountain, this guy, this father comes and his son is possessed by a demon and his son has seizures constantly because of the demon. And the demon tries to, every time he gets the chance, throw the young boy either into fire or into water with the purpose of trying to kill the young boy. And the father shows up and he says, I've heard about you guys. I heard that you cast out demons. My son's possessed by a demon and I need you to use your power. I need you to use your strength to cast this demon out of my son. And they try and they fail. Pay attention to that. They try and they fail. And the Pharisees show up. You guys know about the Pharisees, this religious group of people who are always trying to condemn Jesus and his followers. And the Pharisees start pointing out, well, you failed. You couldn't do it. You're not special. There's nothing on your life that makes you different. Condemning them. And they're arguing. They find themselves caught in this moment of tension. They're arguing not only with the Pharisees, they're arguing with the father who has the demon-possessed son. And they're like, we can do this. We've done this before. We can. We know we can. And Jesus comes in on the scene. Right? And that's where we're going to tune in. Mark 9, 18. And this is the father talking. He says, whenever the demon takes control of him, talking about his son, it knocks him down and he foams at the mouth and gnashes his teeth and his body becomes as stiff as a board. I brought him to your disciples, hoping that they could deliver him, but they were not strong enough. Say strong enough. When that father said the phrase strong enough, he used the Greek word ishuo. And it means to be strong in body or to have robust power. You guys with me? This father invited the disciples into a moment of self-effort to perform with their own strength. Cast this demon out. Cast this demon out with your strength, with your robust power. And the disciples still couldn't get that they had this exousia thing on their lives. And so they tried in their own self-effort and they failed. You guys know what happened next. Jesus cast out the demon. The disciples are confused. Like, why? How did that happen? How were we not able to cast that demon out? But you were. But you gave us permission to cast out demons. Jesus is like, because you got caught, and you have to read between the lines here a little bit, but Jesus is like, you got caught. You got caught in performance. You got caught in self-effort. You got caught up in religious works. You're trying to perform for the Pharisees. You're trying to use your own self-effort and your self-strength for this father who's got this demon-possessed kid. You let the pressure of the moment get you outside of friendship. And they go to him and they're like, how do you cast out the demon? And Jesus says, this demon is cast out. And when he says the phrase cast out, it's that word exousia, that relational power, that relational authority. 
He says, it only comes out by prayer and fasting. Now I want to ask you something. Do you really think that after they just failed in this moment of self-performance, that Jesus is saying, you need to go religiously perform more. You need to go religiously pray and fast, and you need to perform and get more, uh, more spiritual. You need to level up. You need to become more spiritual. No, he would not do that. Prayer and fasting are vehicles that bring us into intimate connection with Jesus. And he's saying, you couldn't cast the demon out because you lost the friendship factor. And if you will pray, and if you will fast, and you will get back into friendship and alignment, you'll be able to do anything. Anything. Any demon will bow at your name. We're going to wrap up here. A couple more minutes. You guys cool with that? Don't tune out on me. The Bible is full. Jesus has been blowing my mind. The Bible is full of these moments where Jesus shows or demonstrates the exousia power and the disciples just don't get it, right? They're like, we don't understand. And then Jesus is crucified and he's raised from the dead. And after he's raised from the dead, he said it showed him, he showed himself to his disciples and appeared many times to his followers and to the believers. And he taught them for 40 days. And he made them a promise. I want you to flip over over to the first chapter of the book of Acts. Acts chapter one, verse eight. It says this. Jesus is still with him at this point. He hasn't ascended back into heaven and he makes them a promise. He says, but I promise you this. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be seized with power authority, exousia, and you will be messengers to Jerusalem throughout Judea and the distant provinces, even to the most remote places on earth. You guys know the story, right? Acts 2 happens. They all get baptized in the Spirit. They're waiting in the upper room and the Holy Spirit comes and lands on each of them like tongues of fire. And they begin to speak in other languages. And in that moment, they're receiving something. And I want to tell you something. I believe in this wholeheartedly. I believe in tongues, but they're not receiving. They're not receiving tongues in that moment. They're receiving something way better than just a spiritual gift, guys. They're receiving the power, the fiery power of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, making it possible for you to remain in constant friendship at constant side by side with Jesus. They're getting the exousia power established in them forever, not just for a moment. They're getting equipped to walk and to work in partnership with Jesus because they have the friend, the helper, the Holy Spirit. Last time we were here in person together, Darren talked about the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, it calls it in in the Greek language. That's the helper, the friend. We get to stay in constant friendship with him. And out of the overflow, don't miss this, out of the overflow of constant friendship, we will change the world. Can you stand to your feet? Don't tune out here. We're not done yet. I got two more things I want to say and then we're done. They get baptized in the Spirit. 
Everybody's cooperating together, and we don't have time to read it, but I want to tell you about it. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. It's going to be on the screen behind me. I'm just going to give you an overview. Guess what they begin to function in? Remember at the beginning of this, I said, start with, start with the end in mind. <laughs> this is what they had because they got the exousia. They had the unity. They had the power. They saw the miracles. They were changing the culture. The Bible says that they were flipping the world upside down. Do you guys believe you can flip the world upside down? He believes it. Do you believe it? Come on, man. Do you believe it? I believe Jesus wants to do something in this moment. You didn't come here to have a casual church Sunday. I believe if you're in this room or if you're watching on the live stream that you believe you're going to get equipped with something that can change the world. And it's 2020 is not too big. An election year with division everywhere we look is not too big for the power and authority that's resting on your life to not change the circumstances. (laughs) last verse this is it Acts 3.21 it's going to be on the screen behind me pay attention to this read it this is talking about Jesus it says for he must remain in heaven until the restoration of all things has taken place fulfilling everything that God said long ago through his holy prophets I am here this morning to tell you this one thing that if you will get in friendship with Jesus and you will remain constantly at his side that we can begin to see the restoration of all things and in a broken moment in history that we're standing in right now we need the restoration of all things lift your hands up with me everybody all across the room (laughs) Jesus oh Jesus we love you Jesus we love you We want to be friends with you, God. Come on, don't miss this moment. Begin to tell him, say, Jesus, I want to be friends with you. Tell him, Jesus, I want to be friends with you. Jesus, I came here this morning to get something. I don't want to leave empty-handed this morning. (laughs) Jesus, we receive this morning. The baptism of beloved identity and friendship. We receive a baptism of beloved identity and friendship this morning. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's sing to him. Let's sing to him. Jesus, we love you. We love you. Jesus, we love you. <laughs> Jesus.
pre-service prayer this morning, and Spencer released the word that people were going to begin to hear again this morning. And I want to tell you quickly, if you need to go, you're officially dismissed. Don't feel bad if you need to leave. But for those of you that this moment is for, Spencer released this word, and I don't think we can move past it. He said that there are going to be people physically that need to to regain their hearing. Maybe they've lost their hearing, and they're going to get it back. And so if you're in here and you have a problem with hearing, if you're on the live stream, if it's still going on, and you have a problem with hearing, I just declare healing right now over you in Jesus' name. But it was a twofold word. Spencer also said those who feel like they've lost the ability to hear the voice of God, you're going to get it back this morning. So I just prophesy that right now. Come on, raise up your faith with me. Lift your hands. I prophesy right now, if you have a physical deficiency in your ear, that it is being restored right now in Jesus' name. By the authority and exousia of Jesus Christ, be healed. And if you are having trouble and you think you can't hear the voice of God, I declare over you right now a blessing. I just prophesy that your ears are open and you can hear. (laughs) You can hear the voice of God. I just declare that as you go home, you're driving in your car today, that you'll hear the Holy Spirit speak to you. I declare that as you go through your week, you're going to hear the Holy Spirit speak to you. And for all the rest of the days of your life, you're going to be able to tune in and hear the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. If, if you have have actual pain or hearing loss in any one of your ears, I just I feel like this is so appropriate. You're standing with Jesus right now. You have authority over your own body right now. It, it starts with you, and I believe that God is gonna like take you into the real world <laughs> to see healing happen. But it's not just for other people; it's for you. So, so I, I do. I want to just say. Um, if, if you do even a live stream, if there's any kind of hearing loss, any pain in the ear whatsoever, or if there's someone in your family that needs it, I'm going to ask you to, like, by faith, just do, do a physical act of faith. And would you just touch your ear? And I just want to, once again, release what Kyle released. God, we don't want to just believe for healing. We, we know you heal. We know you are healing this morning. We know you're healing right now as we're praying because you're that kind of God, but also because every time in this room we've stepped out in faith, you have healed. God, you you have healed lives. 
So I right now, I just not just one healing, God. I'm, 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 I know you want to heal many, many. And I just pray right now, Lord, that, that this would be, we would even feel momentum in our spirit to, to, to in the grocery store. If we discern, God, you're, you're, you're giving us a heart for somebody to step out in faith. We don't have to touch them in this social distance world to see God heal people's lives, right? We, we, we can see him heal a life. But I just, I, I felt like we're supposed to just take, lean into that and say, God, you are healing. You don't just want to heal, you are healing. That is where we are standing. We, we, we sang it in that second song, that's the rock we're standing on. And then the second thing I felt for all of us is, I know this sounds silly, but if you want a new level of like clarity in your hearing, or if you want to, if you want to hear God in, in a new way, his answer is yes. His, his answer is yes. The, how many of you are like, I mean, this is probably the 600,000 service I've been in in my life. Then every time I'm in his presence, I see something new. Every time I'm with him, he speaks. It's beautiful. But I, I do, I felt the Lord say, I don't want to just take you up one step. I actually want to like double. I want to I pour out a, almost like a double portion of what you already have. What, how you hear the Lord already. It's not just a little more. I believe he wanted to pour it out like double what you already have. Like for real. Because let, let's be honest, like we need it now more than ever, right? We need to hear him more clearly now than ever. And not just the kind of like earth shattering, like, like word over, let's say like Uganda. You might wake up in the middle of the night and the Lord gives you powerful prophetic words over areas around the, around the earth. And I say yes to that. But I believe it's connected to friendship. Like Kyle said, there's something when you're with a friend, there's even nonverbal communication. You know what they're thinking. You, there's a communication, there's a level of intimacy that's just closer. So if you would and if you want like that, that, that greater like, con, like communication and the hearing, specifically the hearing through love, would you just put your hand over your ears? God, this isn't because I'm praying it. This isn't even because this is like a service. God, you, ha you have something for us this morning. And anyone right now, that wants to hear you more clearly, your answer is yes. Anyone that, that wants to hear you in new ways, your answer is yes. Yes, God, I just, there's something about being good hearers of, of your word, because when we hear you and we act, your, your answer is yes. Like, your provision is with your word. We just, we just come into agreement with it. So we're asking to hear more clearly so we can see you move more mightily. I thank you, God. I just like I'm, I'm just. Gonna, I thank you, God, for how Chloe hears you. It's already so powerful. But God, I thank you for the measure, God, that you are pouring out this morning, even over the whole Brasington family this morning. I thank you that that you've equipped them from 2020 forward. We don't carry what we have, just what we have. He's he's equipping, and I believe he has more for this 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 upcoming journey, whatever the years to come have. He's equipping you today for it. I thank you, God, for what you have. I thank you for the cultures represented in this room, God. And I do, I pray that like this week, starting today, we would feel a proximity to your voice that we have never experienced before. In Jesus' mighty name. That we would, yeah, that we would put down our phone because it's better what we're hearing you speak to us than any entertainment 
that can distract us. Like your thoughts for us, just sitting with you are better. They're just better than anything else. I thank you, God, that you're bringing us close so we can hear you. Yeah, I just, I just bless and I, and I do, I just prophesy like that anointing God resting in this place for, for new, a new level of hearing in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for staying to pray and press into that. You guys are amazing. There's, real, there's such faith in this room. I, I'm, I literally am like feeling hunger right now in this place. You guys are like, I want, I want what Jesus has. I, I'm just feeling like your spirits are like hungry for what Jesus has. So, so don't, don't let this stop here. Like be hungry, go hungry every day, tomorrow, Monday. Like live hungry. His promise is to satisfy. We love you guys so much. Um, in the safe, next week we're not in this room. We're at Harbor at Home. So invite a neighbor, invite a friend, get connected with somebody. Um, the beauty of Harbor at Home is not only do we worship, not only is there a message, but you guys get to talk about what's going on in each other's lives. I wish we could do that right now with everybody here, but that's just that's just not possible. But it is possible in your home or a friend's home. And so we love the community that's, community that's being built week, week after week. Um, Harbor at home next weekend, and then the following week, we will be right back here. We love you, and I just want to bless you. I don't want to just say I bless you. I, I just want to release blessing over your week, that this week will be different than even last week. If, if this last week has been tough, I just pray a difference, a shift this week in Jesus. Amen. Love y'all. Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Church Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.